Good Morning Liberty. Get. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nathaniel Pride Thurston, and across from me is Mr. Charles Chuck Pride Thompson. <laughs> How's it going today, Chuck Pride Thompson? Well, you know, I just feel proud for good reason. I don't know. Good. Why. It must be the day or month or something. It's That's... an absolutely fabulous month, the month of June. Okay. It's the the month of my birth. It's the month of my rebirth. All the great things happening. Yeah. Okay. It's such a great month. And of course, we're going to be bombarded with every single color on the spectrum for Pride the next. Goeth before the glory. July. Pride goeth before, before July. July. That's, That's right. how it goes. Yeah. Something like, yeah. They said that once. All right. Happy Pride Month, everyone. This is not a Pride conversation today. I just thought it'd be fun to make fun of a couple things because we like to do that. Like the fact that Anheuser-Busch's stock is up over 1% today to start the month. They've just been on the downhill slide for a solid month, six weeks, two months or more. All of a sudden, first day of Pride Month. Bud Light's looking pretty good. Sales might go up this month. That's and, awesome. Good and for the rest them. Of the markets in the the is, market's about flat right now. Okay. When I posted earlier, the market was down and and Anheuser Busch was up, and so that made for a better tweet. They're both up a little bit right now, although uh, although Anheuser Busch is outperforming the market today, as 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 they would say. So that's really all I had to say about Pride Month, except for the fact that we we talked about this last week, maybe. I do want everyone to remember that I believe I believe that this idea of pride came from this when you look back 50 years, 70 years. Actually throughout most of history except for maybe the last 30 years or something like that. Certain groups of people were made to feel shame. They were they were made to feel shame for for simply doing what they wanted to do in the privacy of their own homes potentially, and weren't allowed to get married, which we disagree with. I don't think that the government should be making decisions about that. I'm not, I'm not talking about morals or, or religious ideas or anything right now. I'm talking about legally. And I believe that this pride movement came from this immense, this immense pressure to feel shame. And so it's the opposite reaction. And maybe it's gone a little bit too far. But I do believe that that's why we're here celebrating an entire month of pride. That's not what we're talking about today. Today, we're going to talk about some economics, and we're going to start this off with a tweet from Nina Turner. And we're not really talking about healthcare that much today, but Nina Turner asked yesterday, how can anyone be against universal healthcare? I actually don't know if it's a question or not. It's just a sentence. There's no punctuation at the end of it. Uh, so it's either a statement, it's a question, I don't really know what it is. Exactly. But how can anyone be against universal health care? Well, where do we begin? I mean, only if you're, you know, a bigot and you hate people. You hate everyone. It's the only way you could be against it. You hate people in general, especially poor people. And, uh, of course, minorities would be disproportionately affected by not having universal health care as well because of the systemic racism that's built into our entire society. But anyway. Also, what is universal health care? I think it just means that no matter what, the government's just going to pay for whatever it is that people need. Now, of course, they would never set limitations on what they decide people need and what they don't need. 
And of course, this would not lead to rationing health care. This would not lead to uh, worse outcomes or less innovative treatments or anything like that. It would just be the same great healthcare technologies that we have increasing at the same rate that they are right now, except for... Or might even be better. Yeah, it would just... It would be even better, of course, because the government's paying for it uh, somehow. We would save so much money. Except for it wouldn't cost you anything. Except for if you pay taxes. Really great for people that don't pay taxes, though. It, it starts to look more like free healthcare. Now, I wanted to bring a couple things to your attention before we get into the true topic of conversation. How can anyone be against universal healthcare? I went to this, there's this thing called the Health System Tracker, and it's from the Kaiser Family Foundation. We've talked about some of the stats from it before. It's a really cool website that's just got all this information about healthcare expenditures. Now, from 1970 to 2021, weird that they started at 1970, but whatever. Uh, we go 1970 to 2021, we see the total national health expenditures have gone up to $4.2 trillion, basically, is, uh, is where we're at right now. But that's starting from about 400 billion dollars and then going up to 4.2 trillion dollars now that doesn't just have to be inflation and overpaying for things there's more people so we're going to spend more on health care we know that we have better health care now than we used to and a lot of times better things end up costing more money better ex technology except for almost every single other innovation that we have you know yeah um you know computers are way better right now than they were in 1970 also but anyway you say you're getting better health care, more people are getting health care. So that accounts for some of the reason that it went from four hundred billion up to four point two trillion from nineteen seventy to twenty twenty one. When you look at the per capita, this comes from around two thousand dollars a person. It's gonna be per year up to twelve thousand nine hundred dollars per person uh, per year. Right now, that's a bit of an increase over that time. So now it's not just because we have more people, Charlie. It has, in fact, went from $2,000 per people up to 12900 Per people. Per people. Yeah. Of course. This is an important one to remember. I'm not making excuses. I'm not saying that healthcare is, is fairly priced and it's not too expensive. It is too expensive. We know it is. That's true. Remember, $4.2 trillion is the total national health expenditures. Here's something interesting for people to remember. When you look at the per capita out-of-pocket expenditures, it's $1,300 a year versus the $12,900 that's actually spent per people, per year. So 10%. About 10% of it comes out of pocket. The rest of it comes from the government private health insurance companies. Now, this is not accounting for what we pay for health insurance. This is what's actually coming out of people's pockets outside of the health insurance. So when people say, well, we pay way more than everyone else, uh, Americans are uh, just getting screwed over so terribly on healthcare, it's true. But do remember that our out-of-pocket is not quite the same as that total per capita number. Now, the thing that we talked about beforehand, the thing we talked about in the past is in 1970, out of pocket, you had 32.7% of the healthcare expenditures were coming out of pocket, all right? So, so that means, what, about 68%, 67% were coming from other sources other than your own pocket for healthcare, okay? Now it's only 10% coming out of pocket and roughly 90% coming from other payers. 
in 2021. And then you look at the public health insurance, it was 22% in 1970, it's 42.5% in 2021. Why are we talking about all this right now when Nina says, uh, well, how could anyone be against universal health care? Well, actually, the more the government has entered into the healthcare market, the more expensive healthcare has become. That's what they do in every single market the government enters into. It's not the only thing. Education. We could go through all the charts in education be the same thing. That's not just the government paying for things. Private health insurance increased over that time too. 20.4% was getting paid for by health insurance in 1970. 28.5% is getting paid for in 2021. That's still an issue because you're still using a third-party payer that's removed from the actual person that is uh, receiving the service. And of course, health insurance companies have their own problems. It is, however, a very low profit margin industry, one of the lowest profit margin industries that there are out there. Now, they did a little bit better during the pandemic, oddly enough, because people were paying for their health insurance and then they were too scared to go to the doctor. And so they weren't paying out quite as much. Okay, this all leads into this video that we're going to watch. Today's Movie Thursday. We've got a six-minute video that's going to take up the rest of the show. And it's one that Charlie found when we were looking for the the September 10th, 2001 admission that they had lost $2.3 trillion. I, d- I just can't believe this is real. And this, this article. This aired May 21st, 2023. Yeah. And uh, there's new. this is a new thing people are talking about. Now, they're... They're right about many of the things in this video. 60 Minutes comes close to uncovering a problem that actually exists inside of the government in this video. So it's not all bad, but I don't think they actually pinpoint a real solution for it or what the problem is. They call this price gouging. They say how the Pentagon falls victim, the Pentagon falls victim to price gouging by military contractors. Of course. So I want to watch some of this video. Like I said, they do a good job explaining things, but we're going to we're going to try to bring it home just a little bit better for you. Here's 60 minutes. Let's hang out and watch this together. With the US supplying billions of dollars of munitions to Ukraine and growing tensions in the Taiwan Strait, some Pentagon generals are sounding alarms about the dwindling supply of US weapons at a time when the cost of replacing them is skyrocketing. Okay, first off, I gotta stop it already. We only made it 16 cents. 16 cents. 16 seconds. Right then. Now, we're talking about all the weapons that we're giving Ukraine. And then they're raising alarm bells about the cost of replacing them. The Pentagon. We've already gone through this, by the way. The Pentagon literally just said that they found an extra $3 billion because, oops, we marked it down as what it would cost us to replace that item. Actually, we should have marked it down as what we paid for that item. So remember that little sleight of hand that they did to fix their budget in a way that they could send Ukraine some more stuff. They literally cooked the books. <laughs> they cooked the books and changed the numbers back to whatever it is that they paid 10 years ago, 15 years ago when they bought the stuff and put it in the warehouse. Not what it's going to cost them to replace the thing which I guarantee you they are going to say they need to replace every single bit of the things that we have given to Ukraine. That's one of the main reasons I think we get involved in things like this, because these defense contractors, they produce all of this weaponry, all of these ammunitions. And if if we're not fighting enough wars with people, well, we just got plenty of stuff sitting in warehouses and stockpiles. 
We don't need to get more stuff from them. The Pentagon budget doesn't need to be $886 billion next year. We got all these stockpiles of stuff. Well, that's why we got to give it to Ukraine. And so we give it away. Therefore, <laughs> we get to reorder everything. It's a great way to get people to use up their, uh, their store of weapons so we can then go and reorder new things for us. And you see the incentive for why they would want us to get involved in these conflicts. All right. We wondered why the Pentagon is finding it hard to procure weapons it needs at a price taxpayers can afford. A six-month investigation by 60 Minutes found it has less to do with foreign entanglements than domestic ones, what can only be described as price gouging by U.S. defense contractors. The gouging that takes place is unconscionable. Can only be described as price gouging. That's it. Now, no other explanation for it. Price gouging, Charlie, as you know, is otherwise known as supply and demand that we don't like. That's we, there is always supply and demand. Okay, there's people with buying power, there's demand for the item, there's the supply for the item, there's the market, the competition for the item. There's those that are allowed to make the products. Exactly. <laughs> So it's supply and demand, the allowed to make the products and who we might even consider buying those products from, there's the supply side. The demand side, how much money are they able to steal from us? How many, uh, how many unconstitutional wars are we fighting around the world? There's your demand side. And so you can call it price gouging if you want, but the defense contractors, and I don't really mean this as a defense for them. They got plenty of it. You know, they're contractors <laughs> of it for crying out loud. They don't need me to defend them. <laughs> um, I'm not trying to defend them, but they are charging the most that they can get for their product, which is what everyone is doing. The only difference is they don't have any competition and the people buying it have no reason to look for cheaper prices on things. That's the only difference. Just like you are doing the least amount of work possible for the most amount of money. That's true. That's, that's what everyone does. Almost. There may be some people There's a few that will exceptions. do more and more. Yes. You know, I tend to talk myself down on what, uh, on what I'm going to get paid. <laughs> you know, The Pentagon, he told us, overpays for almost everything. For radar and missiles, helicopters, planes, submarines, down to the nuts and bolts. This, Bill, is a, an oil presser switch that NASA used to buy. Well, their oil switch, with all of the cabling, cost $328. This oil switch, we paid over $10,000 for it. So what accounts for that huge difference? Gouging. What, what else can account for it? To Assad's <laughs> former defense industry then why did they buy it? He was the most hated man. That's a good question, Charlie. Why did they buy it? Why? why? Be like, no, I'm not paying that. Well, they bought it because they have to have it. And that's the thing. You know, you think about a hurricane and people have to have the gas for their generator. They have to have generators. So they got to buy the generators. It's always a supply and demand problem. People, that's the thing that it's so hard to get across to people. You know, gas has been going down. A lot. Have you noticed that? And there's actually a bad sign for the economy right now. Diesel has been cheaper than regular fuel. Uh -oh. And that's not, that's not good. That's, it, it doesn't mean bad right now, but that's normally a bad sign coming up. All right, that means that your shipping transportation needs, uh, they're needing to decrease the prices to try and uh, make it easier for people to transport those goods. So um, just keep but that in mind. Dan has a true answer here, which is they buy it so they can keep their budgets. True. And not only keep their budgets, but they want to keep the increases in the budgets. Mm -hmm. Because obviously you never want 
to lower the budget. I mean, you wouldn't be running a good operation then. Yep. You wouldn't be a good leader if you were decreasing your revenues. Now, Jeff just said the former Pentagon officials revenues. work for the contractor. This is actually opposite. This is interesting. The guy that's talking, uh, Shay Assad, who is the Pentagon's director of pricing, used to be high up, I don't remember his title, at Raytheon. And then, of course, he leaves Raytheon to start negotiating contracts for the Pentagon with Raytheon and other companies. Now, he seems to be fairly concerned about the pricing, him personally. I don't know him, never met the guy. I mean, he's the most hated man in the Pentagon. That's what Politico says. Yeah. You know, so um, he, he seems to be concerned about what we're paying for things. I just don't think he knows what the real solution is. In the Pentagon for his dogged scrutiny of their pricing practices. No matter who they are, no matter what company it is, they need to be held accountable. That accountability system is broken in the Department of Defense. So does that affect our readiness? There's no doubt about it. You just can only buy so much because you only have so much money. And that's why I say, is it really any different than not giving a Marine enough bullets to put in this clip? Assad points to the Patriot. <laughs> okay. We can make fun of that real clip. quick. Bullets yeah. to put in. This is the guy who's in charge of negotiating all the contracts <laughs> for the Pentagon. For the pricing of military equipment. <laughs> for, the, for, for Marines to put bullets in their clip. <laughs> Okay. Weapon system, a pillar of air defenses for the U.S., NATO, Ukraine, and Taiwan. In 2015, Assad ordered a review, and Army negotiators discovered Lockheed Martin and its subcontractor Boeing were grossly overcharging the Pentagon and U.S. allies by hundreds of millions of dollars for the Patriots' Pac-3 missiles. And over a seven-year period, these companies just keep raking it in. What level of profit are we talking about? Well, if the average profitability that was negotiated in a firm fixed price contract was typically between 12 and 15 percent. So a company could make 12 That's a good profit. Sure. But Shea Assad told us Pentagon There's analysts one of the found total yeah, profits. Uh, pause. For the firm fix contracts. Mm-hmm. Now... If they're like, hey, we're going to buy all this stuff from you, but you can't make more than 10 or 12% off of it, what are you going to do? You know, you're going to increase the cost of the product. You're going to... Obviously. Everything. If you are, if you're guaranteed at 12% on top of something, you don't care what the cost of everything else is going to be. In fact, the higher the cost is of every other part of your business, the more money you'll make. That's how that works. You could pay your CEO a billion dollars and be like, well, you know, that's got to factor into the cost of these products and we're going to make 10% on top of it. That's right, Dan. It's called, it's called cost plus. Uh, we've done it. The, the uh, government does it in healthcare. They did it with NASA. They do it in all sorts of things and they do not understand. Listen, if, if um, let's say that it costs $1,000 a month to run this podcast 
and you're and someone who's paying, they're like, well, I'm going to give you 10% on, on top of it. So you make a 10% profit on the podcast. And I, we get some subscription services, you know, we pay for the faster discord screen uh, stream and we pay for some of these things and we keep it right in a thousand dollars. And, and they're like, okay, we'll give you $1,100. Cause you know, we're going to give you a 10% profit and that's the deal. Well, why wouldn't I just spend $10,000 on things for the podcast every month? So instead of a hundred bucks, I'll get a thousand bucks. In fact, why wouldn't I spend a hundred thousand dollars on things for the podcast so I can get $10,000 that month? That's what cost plus is. I have no incentive to look at any other cheaper options like this cheaper mic than the alternative that I just got right there. Fixing this table with a piece of wood instead of just buying a new one. I don't know if you guys can't tell in the camera, but this is not the original leaf that came with this table. I know it kind of looks the same, but um, someday you'll you'll be able to see that, how, <laughs> how great it looks. Anyway, all of these things, I have no incentive to, to decrease those. In fact, if I'm paying myself every single month, and Charlie's paying himself, we've got every incentive to pay ourselves even more because we're just going to get 10% on top of the cost of it. Make it a million dollars a month for the cost of the podcast. That, and so that's how stupid Cost Plus is. Now, what they're start, some of the things they're starting to do is they'll offer a fixed amount of money for something. And I hear about this from people who I don't hear about this from. But they'll say, we're going to pay $100,000 for this. And whatever you do, you get to keep the $100,000. Now, what does the business want to do? Make it as cheap as possible. They want to do it for $10,000 so they can keep the 90. That's different from cost plus. That is a much better way of doing things. And uh, that's that's one of the ways that I think they're, they'll need to fix the Pentagon. But, whoo, crap, we got to keep going Approached here. 40%. Based on what they actually made, we would have received an entire year's worth of missiles for free. Army negotiators also caught Assad's former employer, Raytheon, making what they called unacceptable profits from the Patriot system by dramatically exaggerating the cost and hours it took to build the radar and ground equipment. For many of these weapons that are being sent over to Ukraine right now, there's only one supplier, and the companies know it. It wasn't always like this. The roots of the problem can be traced to 1993, when the Pentagon, looking to cut costs, urged defense companies to merge. 51 major contractors consolidated to five giants. The landscape has totally changed. In now, the I 80s, read about, there was... A I read about this earlier. They were winding down... <laughs> what? In an effort to cut costs, we forced all these companies, or we yeah. urged them, not forced, urged them to merge, because mm -hmm. it rhymes. They're both verbs. <laughs> we urged them to merge, and then what happened? Oh, imagine that. And one of the things that they cut out is they have all of these people whose job it is to watch these contracts and make sure that they're uh, not getting gouged on things. They've got these oversight people. Like... A hundred thousand of them out there that are just looking at all these things and trying to make sure they're not getting overcharged. And when there were 51 companies, there needed, they needed way more people looking over all of these different companies and their contracts and all that. So wouldn't it be easy to just look after five companies instead? With a hundred thousand people. But then what happens? There's no competition. You, you create monopolies when you do that. 
tense competition amongst a number of companies. And so the government had choices. They had leverage. We have limited leverage now. The problem was compounded when the Pentagon, in another cost-saving move, cut 130,000 employees whose jobs were to negotiate and oversee defense contracts. The watchdogs in the government. The, the watchdogs, the negotiators, the engineers, the program managers, over 50% was removed. It was the error. Now, one of the, the problems here is, uh, I can easily say, in a market, you don't need 130,000. They said this was 50% of them. So you don't need 260,000 watchdogs and negotiators on these contracts for every single... This is like trying to manage every single little price in the market. It's like each one of them are reading a line of the contract. Yeah. Every every little thing. I mean, imagine if there needed to be a price negotiator for every single thing that we have in this room. There's probably a thousand different products in this room right now. And we needed a negotiator. But in the market, we don't need that because I go out and I make my money. Charlie makes his money. These people that are selling whatever random items we have, they've got other people that we could purchase things from. And so we don't need contract negotiators between the two of us. I'm going to look what, for, you for know the what, best price. Right. That's the negotiation that we yes. have. It's called a price. It's called a market. That's the invisible hand. <clears throat> the, the market is negotiated by price. Now, of course, now what's weird is they reduce the amount of companies by 90%, but they only reduce the watchdogs by 50%. Now, well, they want to be extra careful, make yeah. sure that they're not getting price gouged by people. Now, the, the issue is this is not... not that the Pentagon is price gouging itself, <laughs> by the way, by hiring all these people who don't obviously do anything. This is not... What could they possibly be doing? This will always be a tough situation, though, because I don't have an exact answer for how you solve this. Assuming that we are not anarchists and we think that there needs to be a government and that we need to have uh, a military and that we need to have weaponry, supplies, planes, stuff like that, uh, then somehow the government will be purchasing things from private companies, okay? And so we want that to happen. Now, we both think that it would be best if there were voluntary money given over to the government instead of forced taxation. That's one of the ways that I think there could be a solution in the scenario because you wouldn't just have the unlimited amounts of money to spend all the time. If people are mad about the Pentagon budget, they can donate less money next year. And that's one of the things that I think... Uh, really could solve it as having less of that demand, less of that buying power to could, buy from these companies. You could also just say, like, no, we're not paying that. That's the thing, like, but they but they won't. Of they, course they won't, because the... I mean, look, this guy came from Raytheon. You don't think he has buddies at Raytheon still? No, no, he doesn't have any friends over and there. And he's out here talking about how horrible everything is, but you know, if you saw his text messages, <laughs> he'd be like, don't worry, Chris. <laughs> we this, got you. We got you, baby. Yeah. If you could just... Just it, ignore all these things I'm saying. I'm just paying lip service to CNN. Yeah, they're not going to spin it, you know, on, on on whatever. And I'm speculating here, of course. I haven't seen this guy's text messages, but I would, you know, kind of like the FDA, how people work for these giant pharmaceutical companies, and then they go work for the FDA or vice versa. Mm -hmm. You know, you have all of this public-private partnership. What do you, what do you think these people are doing? Of course, you would do the same thing. No. I wouldn't do it. We just need the right people in office, Charlie. Yeah. Of, you know, downsizing Absolutely. government, getting government out. Of, let business... Let business do their thing. And it, it's, it's, it was ultimately a disaster. And the government so now was complicit. Yeah. Wait, yes. Yeah. 
they, the letting business do their thing was them con- bl- <laughs> recommending that they consolidate the 50 companies to five. It's total blame shifting. Yeah. So they're the ones urging these companies to merge to make it easier on their people to oversee mm. them. And then now that it's not worked out in their favor, they have shifted the blame to being like, well, you know, we just tried to let the market market. Mm-hmm. And this is what happens when you don't have government control over market marketing. <laughs> you know? The They're mar- going to talk about that a little bit more, I God believe. bless America. They were convinced that they could rely on the companies to do what was in the best interest of the warfighters and the taxpayers. In the competitive environment before the companies consolidated, a shoulder-fired Stinger missile cost $25,000 in 1991. With Raytheon, now the sole supplier, it cost more than $400,000 to replace each missile sent to Ukraine, even accounting for inflation and some improvements. Oh, okay, I'm going to make this point yet again. He just said that in 1991, it was $25,000 for a missile. Now, I'm not saying that they're giving them 1991 missiles or anything, but let's assume that there's like a, like a 2000 missile and it's like $100,000 instead of 25. And those are what were given to Ukraine. Now, what they first did was they calculated that it was going to cost us $400,000 to replace that missile because that's what they cost right now. And then a couple weeks ago, they came back and said, Oh, no, 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 no. The actual cost is what we paid for it back then, even though the price has gone in 1991 from $25,000 up to $400,000. The true cost is what we paid for it 20 years ago, not what we're about to pay for it to replace it. So we're going to claw back that $375,000. This Ukraine thing, this $113 billion is going to end up costing just $113 billion. By the time they replace everything, it's going to cost... 500 billion. I'm getting, you mark my words on June 1st, gay day, right now, <laughs> that it's going to cost $500 billion just for what we've sent them right now to replace all these items. And they'll say we need to have a little bit more for Taiwan, too, of course. Movements, that's a sevenfold increase. Industry's motivations and objectives are different than the Department of Defense's. They are companies that have to, to, to survive, make profit. The Department of Defense, on the other hand, wants the best weapon systems it can have as quickly as possible and as inexpensively as possible. Those are opposite ends of the spectrum. But in our system, there's nothing wrong with profit. No, there isn't, but taken to an extreme, industry may not make the best decisions in the best interests of the government. In they March, don't have any the Pentagon <laughs> announced its <laughs> they, largest budget ever. See, what they do there is they pretend like the government operates with the with the incentives of doing what's right for the people and making sure we can fight the best wars and spending the taxpayers' money efficiently, all of that. But businesses, they just operate with their own self-interest for profit. That's it. That's the problem. Also, by the way, all of these are just people. <clears throat> As Milton all Freeman would say, like the, peop- the company is full of people and the government is <clears throat> full of people. They're all people that we know of. Might be aliens, we don't know. They're all just people. So it's not like the incentive for people is the same. The, I was just thinking about the fact that the difference between them is that the government gets to use guns to threaten us to take money and then pay for these things. You know, while Raytheon 
they get to take the money to supply the government with those guns. <laughs> so it's a really reciprocal relationship yeah. right there. Mm-hmm. They give them the guns. The government uses the guns to take our money to give it to Raytheon so they can give guns to the government so they can take our money and give it to Raytheon to give guns to the government. <laughs> it's put, a really great relationship. Put that got. in your pipe and smoke it. $842 billion, almost half will go to defense contractors. While contract spending is going up, Pentagon oversight is going down through cuts and attrition. Why can't the Department of Defense just step up to Transdime and say, no, we're not going to pay that? Because we don't have another source for a lot of the spares that they provide right now. They are the literally only game in town in order to make uh, an aircraft fly. Uh, so th- we're at their mercy. Does that make sense to any of you? And no. It is very concerning to me. Contractors see how that do they become they the only game this. in town? <laughs> they are the ones that hold the power. So it's not really a, a true capitalistic market because one one company is telling you what's going to happen. So if it's not a capitalistic system, what is it? It's a monopoly. Monopoly. If you're happy with comp- <laughs> you almost had it. Oh. All you have to do is ask the question, how? I thought you were going to be like, and the truth <laughs> shall set you free. <laughs> Jordan fades back. And that's the game. No, they they got close. They hesitated. Mm-hmm. They hesitated on the game winning shot. Now, to be fair, those All were different people do, right then. That's, that, whatever. What's this guy's name again? I forgot. Um, which guy? Assad is his name. No, the one asking questions. Oh, I don't know. From Six, CNN. 60 Minutes from 60 guy. 60 Minutes. He just needed to say one word. Just one word. How? How did we get this monopoly? <clears throat> and you all know the only way to have a monopoly in a free market is through government control. That's how it's we get the monopolies. Only way. Mm-hmm. So the circle comes back <laughs> full 360. Now, one issue. So Matthew's bringing up an important point here. One of the issues here are the patents. And. I'm, even though we are big and fans. Hard, and all the regulations and things and how hard it is. I mean, imagine everyone that's listening to this podcast right now, go out and try to start a defense contractor company. Oh, it'd probably be pretty tough. Yeah, and go try it. Not only, okay, would it would it be difficult to say, I'm going to start a business where I make weapons of war. I'm sure there's no regulations involved <laughs> with that one at all, especially here in Tennessee. Okay, yeah. they'll probably give you some corporate welfare to start that company up, no doubt. The other, the other problem is, is the government going to buy it from you? You're not friends with them. In fact, you're going there to hurt some of their friends and charge less money. What are the odds that they're actually going to buy something from you when they're doing these contracts with other people? Also, do we need to be at war right now? Do That's we need the to other be replacing problem. all these things? But <sighs> One thing I was going to say earlier, we do have to wrap it up, but one thing I was going to say is Matt brought up the, uh, the patents. That is a big deal, especially with these, uh, with these F-35s. Uh, Lockheed Martin, I believe, or is, yeah, is it Lockheed or Boeing? I can't remember which one. I Lockheed. think it's Lockheed. Um, they've got the patent. They own the data. It's similar to, say, John Deere and, uh, you know, GM and this whole fight that people are having over uh, these patents and whether or not you can work on things. Lockheed gets all of the data from the from the planes. The government, like, owns the planes. But if anything goes wrong ever, Lockheed has to do it. They have to take care of this maintenance. It's not just what we paid for the F-35s, which uh, there was a pretty big piece in here about it that I cut out. 
it's going to be they're they're projecting 1.3 trillion dollars when it's all said and done for the F35s that we have and we're going to have less planes because of all the maintenance that's going to have to happen and how expensive that's going to be and we're only going to have one place that we can go. Now when you're using stolen money through force and you've consolidated the market down to a monopoly, Charlie and I are fans of patents, we're fans of intellectual property, but I do have an issue when you create this monopolistic market and you purchase things with stolen money so you can then go and kill people overseas, do you, you know, do you, do you let those patents continue? Do you let those exist? Or do you take those patents because you're literally the sole provider of the, the money to pay for those things, you know? Aren't they just kind of a builder that you're using to do something? Aren't you really, like, you're the payer, so you should come out with with that with that patent at the end of the day i don't know that's not even a big solution to to that problem there's a few things we need more competition so charlie's talking about how tough it would be to start a business to compete in this market that would be tough would they even buy anything from your new company that when they're not friends with you maybe they have to i don't know maybe they have to entertain your bids on on these things i think one of the things that they need to try are these reward I call them like reward type contracts. You know, when uh, Bill Gates was like, oh, I'll give someone $10 million if they design a toilet that cleans water or something yeah. like that, you know? And so all these companies try and try and do this. They need to offer, hey, we'll, we'll order a billion dollars worth of planes from you guys if you produce them at the same quality and half the price of this thing. Now I'm using a plane. That's a, that's a tough one because it's super expensive, but whatever, you get the idea. And that way, the company knows that at the end of the day, they produce a better plane or as good of a plane, and it's half the price, that they're going to get a billion dollars. Mm -hmm. And that way, startup companies and seed money will come in and try to produce these things. Because right now, it's tough to say, yeah, let's put billions into developing these new, these new things. I mean, I can't get the government to respond to me, and they've got their friends over at Lockheed already, and they've already got contracts locked up for the next 20 years with them at all these prices, but yeah, sure, let's all throw a billion dollars a piece into producing this new thing that they're probably never going to buy from us. And by the way, it's going to cost, uh, it's going to take us 10, 15 years just to get the place built because we're building weapons of war, <laughs> literally, yeah. inside of the country. Get your brooms. It's a mess. The, the less demand side, so we're talking about supply and demand, not price gouging, because price gouging is supply and demand that we don't like. Less demand, the American people have to say no to these wars and not say that we're going to give all these things to Ukraine that we now have to replace, or that we're going to be fine just bombing all these random countries that we're bombing all the time and then replacing all of those weapons, okay? that That's a lot of money. We need to say that we can actually cut the budget for the Pentagon. We can cut the Department of Defense. We can cut it, not raise it every single year. $886 billion, I think, is what they were talking about. We can cut the budget because what that would force them to do is go to those companies and say, hey, we literally can't pay that insane price for that item. We can't do it. You can either sell it to us for cheaper, which we know you can do, or we're not going to buy anything from you because we can't afford to do it. And then the company has at least a slight incentive to look at lowering the, the costs of these items, lowering the prices that they're charging. But as long as there's an unlimited budget to pay for things, an unlimited need or demand because we have more and more wars and almost no suppliers for the items, the costs are just going to keep going up. And you can call it price gouging if that helps you feel better, but it's just basic supply and demand like everything else. 
That's all I got for the day. I got to go, man. I got to go. I, I couldn't have said any better myself. I know. All right, y'all. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share the show with a friend, a family member, and a foe. Uh, that's a free way to support us. Another free way is by uh, leave us a, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcast and Spotify. We appreciate all of you doing that. If you want to put your money where your mouth is, sign up for the Fed Haters Club. That is at joingml.com or go to godhatesfeds.com. There's a link there to sign up for that. You can also pick yourself up a t-shirt, some merchandise, a coffee mug, whatever you want. Should and we do a should we do a pride <laughs> promo code? Yeah, why not? For the God Hates Feds store? Yeah. We're, yeah should we're, probably do that. We're proud of God hating feds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very, very proud. GodHatesFeds.com. And uh, if you do all that, we'll be back again tomorrow for some Dumb Believe of the Week. Until then, I hope you have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. <laughs>